everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and I'm back with Jordan Bianchi for another post-race podcast. This time it is Kansas, although Jordan, um, it kind of feels like a continuation of where we left off talking about Dover since I skipped Talladega at Dover. It was a Kevin Harvick-dominated race, uh, makes a mistake, or at least the team did in that case, and won by Chase Elliott today. Kevin Harvick dominating the race. And Chase Elliott ends up winning after a Kevin Harvick mistake. Um, so here we are back again, Jordan. How are you? I'm doing well. Congratulations. I guess we have some. you have some news that have gone on the last few weeks. So congratulations on that. And it's nice to be talking racing with you again. Yeah, it is. It's uh, about a week ago this time we were still in the hospital room. My daughter had just been born and um, Sarah was uh, having some issues getting out of there. So uh, we, we couldn't even really follow the Talladega race. It was kind of vaguely on in the background but i didn't really i wasn't even able to like see what was going on so uh i caught up with it later but um obviously that that stands on its own and now um you know performance wise it really does feel like um just dover part two in some ways i mean is that is that too too much of a leap no i think it's in a lot of ways this is kind of a continuation of kevin harvick's season where he has had the fastest race cars, I think, you know, from race one to where we are now. And yet it seems a lot of times they have thrown some races away because of mistakes on pit road, whether it's by the crew or whether by Harvick, as we saw today, him speeding. And like at Dover, Elliot was able to capitalize. And I don't know if Elliot had the fastest car today. Kevin looked like he had the field kind of covered. Elliot was close, but I think Harvick was going to win that race. But like Dover, he wasn't there at the end. And Elliott does a really good job of putting himself in position to capitalize on other people's mistakes, which is a little bit of a twist from how it used to be with Chase Elliott, where it seemed like he was in control of races and other people would capitalize on his mistakes and he wouldn't be able to win races. And now he's got, you know, he's three of the last 11 races he's won. And two of those uh, were, they, they came in by situations where other guys were probably better, but he capitalized. Yeah. I mean, it's really been kind of an unpredictable playoffs more than we thought so far. I mean, despite the big three all making it to the final eight and all stu- all four Stuart Haas cars making it to the final eight. So you could say that maybe people could have seen at least some of those things coming. Um, you know, I, I, this, the stat Chris Knight tweeted out after the race, I thought was really telling. And that uh, the, the big threes only won one race out of the six races in the playoffs so far. Um, Brad Keselowski won Vegas Kyle Busch won Richmond, Ryan Blaney won the Roval, and then Chase Elliott won Dover and Kansas, and Almirola won Talladega. Now, you could say that two of those races were crapshoot-type races where the Roval and Talladega is not uh, truly indicative of, of speed and things like that. And then the other two, Dover and Kansas, could have been easily won by Kevin Harvick, and he, we agree he had the best car and wasn't able to close it out, and then Elliott won those. So... You know, of the four races that were more based on type, speed type things, it could have been uh, the big three winning three of those four. However, one win in six uh, weeks of the playoffs. And then if you go back before that, um, it's not like, you know, you know, uh, Keselowski was on a streak that won the last two races before that. So the big three really haven't been dominating like they were early on the season, and yet they've all survived. Um, so, you know, it's sort of like, if you could have gone back in time and predicted what the playoff lineup would look like, I don't think it would be too different than what we have, but it's still, there's still a lot to be decided, you know? No, there is. And, you know, kind of continuing what you were talking about, how the big three 
haven't been really the big three per se over you know since the playoffs have started. Go back even further than that though. Martin Truex Jr.'s last win came at Kentucky, which was a week after Fourth of July race at Daytona. Kevin Harvick hasn't. Wow, been, is that right? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean that's how long it's been since Martin Truex Jr.'s been in victory lane. Kevin Harvick hasn't won, I believe, since Michigan in mid-August. So it, it's been a stretch where, except for Kyle Busch's victory at Richmond, these guys are not winning like they were at the beginning of the season. You know, but as you said. They're, they are where we thought they were going to be because they were so good at the beginning of the first half of the season. They were dominating. They got all the stage points. They were winning races. They were doing everything they needed to do to build up a safety net where come the playoffs, if they weren't on their game or they had a little bit of slippage, they were going to be okay. And, you know, in Martin Jr.'s case, that's a big thing because, you know, he was a little bit off today. I know he rallied to finish fifth, but he needed every one of those bonus points he accrued throughout the regular season today. And if he didn't have those, he wasn't going to advance. But those guys were so good at the beginning of the year, it, it came. It, it's paying its forward now. And now they put themselves in a position where I, I think we can safely say, I think two of them are going to be at Homestead racing for the championship. Yeah. So, you know, I think my what, what comes through my head is like, how serious do we take the other teams? Because, you know, you, you've had a lot of guys eliminated now who really could have been threats if they made it to Homestead. So... Um, Kyle Larson, for instance, everybody always talks about every year. If he makes it to Homestead, he's going to be a guy to watch. He's out. Kozlowski, who is a guy who really steps up in the playoffs and could easily be one of those gritty guys who you know somehow steals a championship with interesting strategy or something like that, he's out. You already had Denny Hamlin and Jimmy Johnson eliminated in round one. Ryan Blaney has shown speed at times. He's gone. So you know, it's you know obviously we have the big three. I don't know how how serious to take the remaining drivers aside from them. Um, like, for instance, I mean, do you view uh, Chase Elliott, despite having win, won two of these three races, like, is he a championship contender to you at, at this time? Because, I mean, I don't know. I feel like he has speed, but I, I'm not going to go out and say, like, oh, yeah, he's, he's a guy that I'm going to look for to win the title right now. No, I, I think there's a clear distinction. I think, you know, Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick are the two favorites going into Homestead, and I probably would put Harvick number one, even though I have some trepidation about, you know, they just continue to make these mistakes that cost themselves wins, and you cannot do that in a one-race, winner-take-all format like at Homestead. So I think, you know, Harvick and Kyle Busch are clearly above everyone else. But I have confidence in Chase Elliott that he may have something for these guys at Homestead. And I look at today as a perfect example. This is a mile-and-a-half racetrack. There are some similarities between Kansas and Homestead. Um, yes, he, he maybe didn't have as fast a car as Harvick did, but he certainly was better than Kyle Busch was. And he outran Kyle Busch. And I think that bodes well for him going into Homestead. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to go there and do it, but I, I do think that he's got a chance to do it. And I will also say this. Joey Logano today at times was very good, especially early in the race. He started in the pole, led a lot of laps, and it seems like Team Penske has kind of turned the corner a little bit and is now more in the ballpark with what Stuart Haas Racing, their counterparts at Ford, are doing, and it's just not this big gap between these two organizations. And so I look at Logano as a guy who can go to Homestead, too, and run well. Again, I don't know if Elliott and Logano are going to be able to go there and outrun those uh, Kyle and Kevin uh, straight up. But I think they have they give themselves a good chance to put themselves in a situation where, again, if, if things happen, you never know. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. And, you know, as, as you're talking there, I guess I could kind of see Elliot as the fourth guy. It sounds like you might put him above Truex, maybe if we were doing like power rankings on the fly. I still think I'd, I'd put Truex there, um, you know, as, as off as Truex was today. 
and it seemed like they were just not a factor compared to their usual selves, they still end up finishing fifth, as you mentioned. So um, I still feel like they can go, uh, and Cole Pern will figure things out. I, I, aside from Chase Elliott, I don't have a ton of faith in any of the other SHR cars past Harvick um, being able to go to Homestead and win. Mm-hmm. I just feel like uh, Kurt Busch, something always bad happens to him. Almarola, you know, he's he's had a good season, but I don't see him running up front and, and taking the championship race. And then Boyer gets in his own head, I feel like, a lot. And, and just I don't know that he could would be able to close out a, a pressure race like that. And then Logano, uh, I just I'm not sure. Like, I do agree that Penske's made gains, um, but I just don't know if I see him winning the championship. So uh, I'm with you. I, I'm still picking Harvick to win the championship as my pick, but I, I think Kyle Busch is a close second. And then uh, I would put Truex third, then Elliott, and then a big drop off the other cars. I just don't see um, – I don't have a ton of faith in the other ones. But, again, though, it, I go back to – the reason I brought this up is that Keselowski, Larson, Hamlin, Johnson, those are all guys who I, I would have almost said would have a better chance to win Homestead instead of like an Almirola or a Boyer, some, somebody like that, but they're gone, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I think what's going to be interesting too is I think Martinsville is going to be a, a big um, – it, it's going to be interesting to see how Martinsville plays out because that is a track where there's a lot of different guys that can win that race. And we talk about Clint Boyer. He won there in the spring. He goes there and wins again. All of a sudden, he's in the final four, and that's one last spot for you know an Elliott who I think is going to be there or Logano I think is going to be in the mix. So – Martinsville opens up the window for for guys who maybe don't have the speed to run with these, you know, the the big three on the mile and a half racetracks, and that's going to be interesting. And I think Martinsville is interesting too, is because it's a racetrack that Kevin Harvick, since he's been at Stuart Haas Racing, hasn't been at his best track. He has struggled there. I know he's finished fifth in his last two races there, but that's a track where him and Rodney Childers they've never won before together, and they've had some issues there in the past. It's cost them advancing in the playoffs. And I look at Martin Truex Jr. This is a guy who's never won a short track race before. Um, he's come close many times, but he still has never won a short track race. Martinsville is not his best track either. So it could be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, Harvick has got so many playoff points. I think, you know, he's got a mulligan. He's going to be okay. But if Truex goes there and doesn't have a great race or something, if what we saw today on this racetrack at Kansas, which I think is alarming because this is a team that is their bread and butter is mile and a half racetracks, if they have that same issue at Texas, they're going to be in a world of hurt because. They just they do not have the same level of playoff points, you know, that safety net built up like Kyle and Kevin do, and it's going to put themselves in an interesting situation going to Phoenix, which is again another racetrack where they haven't been at their best. Yeah, those are all really great points, Jordan. Um, you know, it's it's so funny because I look at the the lineup of cars who are left, and and it's five Fords of the eight cars, and you go, oh man, uh, I wonder if it could be, you know, like an all Ford playoffs but then you know as soon as you think about the playoff points it'd be very difficult to imagine Kyle Busch missing at this point and probably Truex as well although he you know he kind of flirted with disaster this round um I guess my question is do you see how many Fords do you see in the in the finals right now because now it's it's going to be time for those Fords to be narrowed down I mean they're obviously uh all the Stuart Haas cars are not going to make the final four so um, do you see two Fords or, or just one? I think 
Well, I think one for sure. I think Harvick's going to be there. I mean, I mean, he would have to just have a disastrous, you know, third round right. where everything goes wrong. He is in there. I mean, he's he's as near a lock as you can be without actually being a lock. Um, and I think there's going to be one more. And I, and I think Logano's got a really good shot to do it. He's good at Martinsville. He's good at Phoenix. He won that race two years ago. He's He had some good speed today, so that bodes well for Texas. So I like that. Um, like you said, Omarolo, he, he's been good at mile and a half racetracks, but – I don't have the confidence of him getting through this next round. You know, uh, with, he's going to have to be perfect, and I just don't know if he's going to be able to do that. Boyer to me is the wild card because that Martinsville, he's so good there. He, he's been in contention there before. He dominated the race in the spring. I, I think if it's either going to be him or Logano is going to be that last spot, just simply on the fact that either Boyer's going to win at Martinsville and move on, or Logano is going to be able to point his way on and move on. Jordan, I feel like you have a great brain for stats, so you probably have a little bit more insight into this than I do at this time. But I have, I'm have i having a really tough time picturing who is going to be able to go out and run well at Martinsville because, you know, it used to be like, oh, you know, back in the day, it was like, oh, Jimmy Johnson or Jeff Gordon or Tony Stewart, they're going to go dominate this type of thing. Or, you know, where it, you, you had some guys who were so good there, Denny Hamlin for a while, where – it was only going to be a couple of guys. And now it feels like it's so spread out, like guys, different guys who can win and run up front in that race. And I really just, I don't have a feel for like who can go do it. I mean, I could easily see like a Keselowski or a Denny Hamlin Absolutely. winning that race, a non-playoff driver, Jimmy Johnson, um, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, you know, is it going to be a guy, you know, one of these playoff guys who is going to go do it? Or can you see a non-playoff guy getting in there? I could absolutely see a non-playoff guy doing it. I mean, you just we just mentioned a bunch. Hamlin, Johnson or two. I'd say Ryan Blaney, who was good there in the spring and, you know, led a lot of laps there and then kind of faded a little bit. So, yeah, there are a lot of guys that you look at and say, this is a racetrack where they may be able to get that win that's escaped in this year. This is to me for Jimmy Johnson. This is really a race that him and Chad Knauss have circled because they know that this is their bread and butter through the years. And if they're going to get that win before they split up, it's probably going to be Martinsville or bust. So I think you're going to see a very determined 48 team there. Now they haven't been to that same level um, that we're accustomed to seeing them at Martinsville the last couple races, but I, I think they're going to be a factor on Sunday. And I think there's going to be other guys as well. You mentioned Brad Keselowski. Um, this is a guy who won it here last year. So. This is going to be interesting, and I think the fact that this to me is always the crazy – one of the crazy – people talk about Talladega as being wild and crazy, but Martinsville to me is actually one of my favorite races of the year just for the fact that there are so many weird, wild things that happen here. You go back last year, Chase Elliott was leading in the final laps. You know, That's not a guy that we talk about winning at Martinsville, but he was leading in position to win this race, and then he had that run in with Denny Hamlin, so – this is going to be interesting, and you know, all hell typically breaks loose in this race. We've seen it in the past. We saw it last year in this race. We saw it in 2015 in this race. Um, I fully expect that this is going to be one of those races on Sunday that it's going to be we are looking at going, okay, I can't believe this just happened, but this actually did happen. Yeah, I agree, and I, I'm having major FOMO for that because I'm, since I'm not going to be there, um, I, I hate to miss that. It's my favorite favorite uh, track, and um, but you're right. And, and, you know, talking about Chase Elliott, too, it's like it's kind of crazy how all of a sudden we even were mentioning him in this conversation as can he win the championship after, you know, a couple months ago. It was all like, oh, man, can this guy ever win a race? You know, maybe he just can't get it done. Um, I don't know that we were saying that he'll never win a race. But, you know, there was that talk of like, wow, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure about this guy. And now all of a sudden he's won, what, three times in 11 weeks. And uh, it seems like, oh, yeah, of course, Chase Elliott won again. You know, It's kind of crazy. 
It is. And, you know, I said on this podcast two weeks ago, I liked Chase Elliott getting to the Final Four, and that was even before he won at Kansas, just because you had seen the speed coming from the Hendrick organization. They haven't been like Stuart Haas Racing. They haven't been like the Toyotas of, you know, uh, furniture row racing or Joe Gibbs racing, but Hendrick has slowly made gains. And especially on that nine team, they've gotten better and better. And I think if you could see what they're doing, they continue to knock off good finishes and they put themselves in position. They put themselves in a position to win at Dover. They put themselves in a position to win today and they're capitalizing on that. And that's what was missing from this team. It was kind of just learning how to close the deal. And they have done that. And I hate to keep harping on this, but it sets up really well in the next round for them. They, they run well at Martinsville. They run well at Phoenix. Um, they just won a mile-and-a-half racetrack. They're going to a mile-and-a-half racetrack at Texas. So I think there's a lot to like about Chase Elliott and how this team is setting up. And it is a little bit stunning because this is a guy who hasn't won a race until 11 weeks ago. Now he's won three of the last 11, which is more than Kyle Busch, more than Kevin Harvick, and more than Martin Truex Jr. So yeah, there, there, it, he almost kind of seemingly came out of you know left field a little bit, but it is, it does kind of feel like this tidal wave and this momentum is just kind of building for him. And I think he's got a really good shot to get another win or two before the season's out. Yeah. Uh, before we move on just from all that we saw today, I do want to touch on there was a little bit of a controversy uh, with Clint Boyer appearing to have an uncontrolled tire late in the race. Now, NASCAR then comes out and says, well, you know, that's that's not really a penalty because the tire was controlled till it got to the inside of the stall where near the wall. And uh, it's OK that it rolled out of the stall. Um, that's what they're saying is the rule. Steve Letarte echoing that on on Twitter and saying doesn't matter that it, that it rolled out all its stuff, um, you know. Do you, you accept that explanation? Any problem with that? A little bit. I mean, by the letter of the law, that it's not an uncontrolled tire, so Boyer escaped penalty. But if you look at the video, that tire came back in front of Boyer's car, and there wasn't a crewman around it. So if the idea is that you're going to penalize crew members for uncontrolled tires because of safety, that, to me, looks like a safety violation. There was a tire sitting there in the middle of front Boyer's car, and guess what? No one was around it to control it. So, yeah, I have a little bit of an issue with it. I understand why they didn't penalize them because they are technically following the letter of the law. But looking at the video, it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I guess I would like to, um, you know, the tire kind of rolls out of frame in the video. I would have liked to see what happened to it or how far it mm -hmm. went, kind of. Um, I, I, I understand what they're saying about the uncontrolled tire being like on the outside of the pit box and it leaving within a, a an arm reach of a, a crew member. So I understand what they're saying that that in that context, it's not uncontrolled, but you know, if you're going to call penalties for uncontrolled, that certainly did not seem to be controlled as we'd think of it. But I understand that's not how, how the, the thing's written, but um, it seemed like their explanation. Um, I, I don't know that it's not an inconsistent call. I don't exactly. have like the evidence there. So I'm not going to totally, totally rip them for that or anything like that. Yeah, um, and that's in this thing. case. And I'd like to see is other instances too, where has this been, has this happened before and they've let it go because it, this isn't the, this isn't a violation of the rule. So if, if they're consistent in, in how they rule this and you can point back to other times and say, nope, we let it go here, 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 and here. I get, I'm okay with it. I mean, as long as they're consistent with it. But if there's been other times where there maybe has been a penalty called because of this and they didn't call it today, that that's where I take it issue. But again, I don't have the, the the video in front of me of the instances to say that this is definitively how it should be because you have to go back and do some research. So Jordan, um, I'm going to do the was it a good race poll as usual. 
uh, tomorrow when this uh, be Monday. I don't know if your people are listening to this on Sunday or not, but we'll be doing the Was a Good Race poll, and we will have a, a little bit of a tough call here to try to figure out whether people thought this was a good race or not because um, you know it seemed like a relatively sort of straightforward race for a while. You did have the playoff drama throughout, so there was a lot of that going on. But you know, I pointed out during the race, you know, if there, if there was no playoffs for a while, there wouldn't have been much to talk about. Now you did have a good race for the lead at the end. So that kind of came, all came back. Um, and you know, Kyle Larson with his, you know, could he somehow pull this off? Kyle Busch seemed to be catching Elliot and then you'll have a popular winner. So, um, what do you think given all that that people will say for the, was it a good race poll? There's a lot to the, to dissect here. I think because Chase Elliott won and that's a popular winner and the finish was pretty good, I think people are going to focus on that, but I agree with everything he said. It was the playoff drama certainly added to this race. It made it intriguing. I wouldn't call it entertaining though. It wasn't great, exciting, you know, side-by-side racing by any means. I'm looking at it. I'm going to throw out, I don't know, 62% for people like this race. I'm going to say 70. I don't know why, but just kind of 70 was in my mind. So, um, you know, I, I could be wrong, but uh, I do think that the closing battle for the lead and, and, you know, people's focus being on the playoffs and elimination race, I mean, that kind of does help things. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would definitely expect Martinsville to be higher when we when we talk on this podcast next week and would be pretty disappointed if it, if it wasn't, obviously, you know. I fully expect Martinsville to live up to everyone's expectations. Like I said earlier, this is a race that typically is the most wild and unpredictable in the playoffs, and that includes Talladega. I think next week's going to be a slugfest. I think a lot of these guys who who don't have wins this year or haven't lived, their seasons haven't lived up to expectations view this race as their chance to get that win. Hamlin and Johnson are both winless on the season. This is a great track for them. You know they're going to come in here hungry and saying, hey, you know what? Our season has been a disappointment, but if we can win here, maybe this is going to kind of salvage it a little bit. And I also look at the playoffs, and everybody's in contention, and you're going to need good runs. And I'm not saying that Kevin Harvick is vulnerable and Kyle Busch is vulnerable, but they are certainly – it is more likely that you're going to see someone else kind of emerge next week than maybe those two guys. Yep. I totally agree. I'm I'm looking forward for that reason, and I agree could be also the last best chance for a – Johnson or Hamlin win this weekend. So, uh, this season, sorry. So that should be interesting. Well, uh, coming up on the next edition of the untitled Jeff Gluck podcast, it's going to be a 12 questions with Ryan Blaney, who I thought was still going to be in the playoffs at this point, but he was eliminated. So, uh, hopefully people will still want to listen to it anyway. Um, and see what he had to say. Cause it was a good interview, but, um, <laughs> hope it's not going to be exactly timely since he's no longer in the playoffs, but, that will be coming out on Tuesday. And then Thursday will be a How I Got Here interview as usual, followed by another post-race podcast with the aforementioned Jordan Bianchi, who has been joining me here on the last two editions of these. And Jordan, of course, thank you for your time. Uh, any closing thoughts? No, I'm looking forward to next week. I think it's going to be fun. Yep, I agree. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Jordan, for joining. And we will talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.